Before you can create a healthy relationship with others, you first have to create a healthy relationship with yourself. Welcome to Let's Talk About It with your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Janie is a nationally respected psychotherapist, and on this show, she and her featured guests will help you discover and break patterns in your life that can contribute to self-sabotage and unhealthy relationships. Now, here is Dr. Janie Lacey. Welcome to another episode of Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. Every time a child is saved from the dark side of life, Every time one of us makes the effort to make a difference in a child's life, we add light and healing to our own lives. One of my favorite quotes by Oprah Winfrey. Well, today, our guest did just that on his journey to becoming a single father by choice. Steve McCall, who was a distinguished military veteran, Department of Defense civil servant, and most recently, a legislative appointment for the U.S. Congress, among the many accomplishments, which the list is just too long to read, but includes a journey from being a pilot as a teenager to traveling abroad and meeting world leaders to being featured in the New York Times and CNN and various magazines, keynote conferences, and so much more. But he believes that he has beat the odds. He has pushed towards greatness and lives a life of miracles. And we're going to hear just that today. Welcome to the show, Steve. Hey, thank you for having me, Dr. Janie. It is such a pleasure to have you just hearing your story. I think it's going to inspire so many people because, you know, not only is your story unique, but I think during this time of um, your journey coming out of COVID, it's probably going to um, really inspire some people. So I'm going to just jump right into it. I'm going to ask you the big question and then we're going to go from there. But what are we talking about when we're saying single parent by choice? What are we talking about here? What did you do? <laughs> yes. So uh, single father, single parent by choice. Uh, it is. Uh, it was a part of my journey. It is my journey. It's my life. And I chose this journey. Uh, as you know, that I was married previously. I've been a stepfather before. Uh, and after uh, separating and divorcing, um, I was very happy. I was not lonely. Uh, everything was going good in my life. And um, there was one thing that I knew I wanted to do one day, and that was uh, to become a father. And people who know me, uh, they definitely know that I did not want diapers and I did not want a diaper bag. Um, even though people are trying to convince me many times that that's the way to go. Uh, I knew deep down in my heart that that was not ever going to happen. Uh, so then I looked at foster care and the foster program in America. And then uh, I'm pretty sure we'll get more into it later. But then that's when I decided to adopt uh, right before the pandemic uh, through a program called Kids Safe Hosting, where I was only going to host one child. Uh, and then that was only going to be for five weeks. And then I would have an opportunity uh, to get to know the child. Uh, they would go back to their country and then I would actually uh, have the decision. Uh, and then they also would have the decision if they wanted me to be their father. Uh, so single father by choice. I tell people this is just the path that uh, I chose and it's the best path uh, for me. Uh, maybe not for everybody, but it was the best path for me. And uh, from going uh, from being single last year uh, with no children uh, to not even having an application in to become a father or host dad, 
to now, uh, it's so let's it's let's go right there. Bit. So so Steve, people are going to wonder. So let's just get it out of the way. So you're a heterosexual. You're a yes. handsome man. You're yes. very um, accomplished, right? Yep. The list of accolades. Um, you've been married before. I'm sure you have women lined up. So people are asking why adopt. <laughs> Tell us the inspiration to pursue adoption and dispel all the myths for us. <laughs> yes. So uh, yes, I, I was married to a woman, uh, and one day if I ever get remarried, uh, it would be to. Uh, a woman. Um, but back in 2018, I was going through a divorce. And uh, as many people uh, who are probably watching or will watch, uh, divorce can be very uh, mentally draining. So during that time in 2018, uh, one of my friends uh, lived in Chile, and uh, they said uh, they're about to get married uh, to their uh, spouse now, Therese. And uh, he said, do you want to come down uh, to South America and tour the world, you know, tour the country? So I bought a ticket the next day, and my goal was to land in Medellin, Colombia on November 7th, 2018. And I landed on November 7th, my birthday, uh, at 12.01 a.m., and that same day, uh, we flew from Bogota that morning to Medellin and took a tour. And in the city uh, neighborhood called Comuna uh, 13, there was uh, many kids playing soccer, selling things. And a group of kids came up to me to take a picture. And I took the picture with them. I was all excited. And I asked the tour guide, I said, oh, this must be uh, you know, a holiday. Uh, why are they not in school today? And he started laughing. And he said, uh, they're homeless. And I said, what are you talking about? He said, we have millions of orphans. Uh, not in Medellin, but just overall. But he said, um, there's a lot of kids who do not have families and they live on the street. So on November 7th, I actually made the uh, decision to one day adopt Colombian children. However, uh, I have met world leaders. Uh, I've met vice presidents of countries, uh, but not of uh, Colombia. So I knew back then I couldn't just call the president up and say, uh, hey, Steve McCall here, I want a child. Uh, I didn't know how I was going to accomplish it, uh, but I just knew that that uh, was where my heart was. Uh, and then you fast forward two years later, the divorce is final. Uh, I decided to wait a, a period of time uh, because you do have to wait a year uh, before adopting. And then once I was actually healed, uh, once I was actually uh, no longer, well, I was not lonely, but uh, I was not lonely. I was not depressed. I did not need children. I did not need a spouse. Uh, I did not need to find uh, find love again. Uh, I was perfectly fine and perfectly content with life. Uh, and I was very happy being single with no children. Uh, but when the door opened up last year in January for me to become a host parent, uh, that's when I decided uh, that, you know, I've, I've been uh, very successful in life. Uh, and I really want to share my life with uh, a child to bring, uh, you know, bring the McCall legacy because I had no children to live, leave my legacy with uh, to become a father. And during that time, uh, I made up my mind. Uh, I was not going to date. Uh, I was not looking for anybody. If people were looking for me, I was not going to find them or they weren't going to find me because I was not available because uh, I think you need to be a present parent. And I knew I was not going to allow myself to be a father to a child and not be that present parent. So uh, that's when I made up my mind last January and uh, 2020 that I was going to be a single father by choice. Uh, I didn't have to explain it to anybody. It was a decision I made. And once again, uh, January, I figured I would have one child for five weeks, test out the waters, and then uh, later on, eventually adopt. And of course, you know the story, uh, it turned out a lot different. 
So what you're telling us is that you didn't need a woman or a wife to adopt a child. Uh, so, no, you do not. <laughs> so then tell us about your desire about being a dad. You talked about being married, having stepchildren, and then being divorced. I mean, have you always wanted to be a dad? Yes. Uh, so, I mean, I grew up in a very loving home. Uh, I did have a single uh, a single parent home starting around age 11, but I have a relationship with my father. I have a relationship with my stepmother, uh, his new children, which are my brothers and sisters. Uh, but my mother and I were very, very close. Uh, so I always knew that I wanted to be a father. Uh, however, around age nine, I was diagnosed with a disorder called Tourette syndrome. Uh, and because of that, ever since I was around nine or 10 years old, I knew that I didn't want to uh, end up having kids and passing my genes down to them. Uh, I'm not against having Tourette syndrome. I think it's made me who I am. Uh, however, uh, I knew the chances of them having, uh, whether it's mild or severe case of Tourette syndrome, ADHD, obsessive compulsive disorder, um, I didn't want to put that on another child. So I knew a long, long time ago that I was going to end up adopting or becoming a foster parent. And I actually worked with foster children in college. And that's when my heart opened up to the idea. Uh, of course, I did what most people do. I did the traditional way. Uh, you're uh, in your 30s. Uh, you are at the top of your career. Uh, your bills are paid. What is wrong with Steve McCall? Why don't you get married? So I went out, as somebody told me, throw a rock, Steve, and the first person it hits, uh, that's who you marry. And I threw a, I threw a rock, not literally. <laughs> sure. And uh, I was searching, searching, searching. And, uh, you know, I got married to, uh, you know, uh, please everybody. And uh, it did not work out. And, uh, you know, I appreciate the experience of marriage. Uh, because I learned a lot. Uh, I made mistakes. And of course, the other person, uh, I won't speak for them, but I made mistakes. Um, but now I've learned from that. And it never left my mind from when I was a young kid uh, that I was going to adopt one day. Once again, I just didn't know how because now I'm single. Uh, I'm not going to live according to the, the world standards that you have to have a spouse to be a good father. One of my friends, uh, I won't say his name, uh, he was going through divorce also. Um, he told, uh, and I hope she's not watching, but uh, he told his uh, ex-wife when they were married, he said, uh, she said, you can't divorce me. You have kids. And I'm just going to leave it at that. After what he said, he said, look, he said, I don't need to have a wife in order to be a good husband. I mean, to be a good father. He said, I can be a good father without a wife. And when he said that, I wanted to run around the house. I was like, you're right. And I, I believe that. I believe that uh, I can be a good father uh, without a spouse. And that's the decision uh, I made. And if you ask my boys, because uh, I asked them, well, do, I, do, do you remember going to get a mom? Do you, need a, uh, do you need a mom? They're like, no, we're good how we are right now. So it's a decision I made. Uh, and I'm very happy uh, and content with my decision. So I'm going to take a quick uh, pivot here because as people are now wondering who you are and looking up your bio, tell us a little bit about, because I think it's a, an interesting story. And I think, um, you know, just not only a role model for your boys, but for a lot of people, I mean, you are well accomplished. So um, something that I know about you that you shared is uh, that you wanted to be an astronaut. So how'd you get into military uh, space and working for the Congress? Yeah, so uh, it's funny because uh, my children really don't know what I do. I would dare say most people who are going to watch this from my um, my circle really still don't know what I do because uh, I don't talk about it often. <laughs> uh, because it's 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 a job title. Uh, it's not who I am. It just pays the bills and it uh, it pays for my kids' soccer. 
but I always wanted to be an astronaut. Um, my teacher in high school, of course, said that that's impossible because of the Tret syndrome. Uh, so at age 15, I decided to uh, start flying Cessna 152s and 172s to uh, prove them wrong. Uh, and then I ended up joining the United States Air Force back in 1997. That's a whole nother story for another interview on how I got in and how I made it through boot camp while twitching my eyes and blinking and shaking my head. Um, and then from there, uh, I had a 1.2 in high school in my junior year. Um, and then I graduated with a 2.0. So uh, I had no chance in ever being anything in life, as my teacher said. I couldn't go to college. I couldn't fly planes. Uh, my uh, high school teacher uh, had a 35% geometry. He said uh, the only reason he passed me is because he doesn't want a waste of space in his classroom next year. So those negative thoughts and uh, energy had been coming to me uh, pretty much my entire life from the teachers, not my family. Uh, so I wanted to become an astronaut. Um, so I ended up joining the military. Um, I ended up getting a full ride scholarship to Embry-Riddle Aeronautical University in Daytona Beach, the number one uh, aviation university in the world. And from there, uh, after getting 4.0, after 4.0, after 4.0, uh, I actually guaranteed me a spot to become a, um, a pilot in the Air Force. Unfortunately, uh, not unfortunately, fortunately, uh, I failed the color vision test, uh, had some other tests that I uh, uh, did not pass. Um, and they end up having to discharge me, uh, but my school costs over $100,000 and they paid all of that off. And that's how I became a DOD civilian for the Department of Defense. And in my second job at Langley Air Force Base, uh, I so happened um, to actually be hired into a space position with no space experience. And then the Colonel asked me, what do I want to do in life? And I said, I want to be a space professional. And he said, well, what's stopping you? I said, well, I'm colorblind. And he said, what's stopping you? He said, uh, go, go get the training. And literally three, uh, around three months later, I was in Colorado Springs uh, for my level two certification as a space professional. And since then I've been uh, working my way through the DOD. And then uh, I was kicked out of Langley Air Force Base for my advisor to come to Capitol Hill. And once I arrived in Capitol Hill, I worked for uh, who was a presidential candidate, Senator Elizabeth Warren. Um, and during that time, uh, I was able to learn more about Congress and then Congressional Research Service. Um, the person who was in charge of the space portfolio, who had been there 37 years, uh, they retired at the right time. And the director asked me to apply. And out of 100, over 100 candidates, I applied. I made it to the top 10, top five. And then I was the number one person selected. Uh, and I will note that I was the first African-American uh, hired into that position in the history of uh, Congressional Research Service. So uh, I am proud of that, that uh, they decided to uh, bring some diversity uh, to Congress, to uh, uh, you know the staffers. So that's how I got into space. And that's how I worked my way up to uh, being a senior staffer for the U.S. Congress. So not only are you making uh, made history, but you are so you're you're not a stranger to carry to to walk in the road less traveled <laughs> as our conversation. No, tonight. no, no, <laughs> no, that's 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 become uh, that that's who I am. And I like it that way. Um, and that's how my whole life has been. But I do. I've, I've had some great uh, mentors and uh, great leaders to look out for me. Uh, so I really uh, do owe it to them for seeing the potential and then allowing me to have these opportunities. I, I don't, that I don't take lightly. I know that my position, uh, I have a very big title uh, at Capitol Hill, but um, it's not because of you know, all the education, it's because the right people have been at the right place. And I'm very thankful for that. 
Well, they always say, you know, relationships are, are the true currency and access is yes. currency. <laughs> yeah. So, so with that being said, you know, let, let, let's, um, you have this YouTube channel and this YouTube channel journeys, yes. your um, journey to becoming a, a parent. So tell us a little bit about that channel, but first tell us about what was the road to parenthood? What does that look like for you? Because I know that you uh, documented it, so to speak, on your YouTube channel. Yes. Yeah, so my YouTube channel, that's my pride and joy. My kids, are my pride and joy. Uh, the second <laughs> thing in my life is my YouTube channel. No offense to people watching for my job, but that's like way down here on the list. And they, they know that. Uh, so the YouTube channel, uh, I had a lot of people reaching out to me, asking me uh, about my journey. And they were very shocked that I was a single uh, black male uh, adopting. So they really want to know more about the journey. And I decided to start the YouTube channel. And like I said, my journey is very, very rare because most families have to wait two to three years. Uh, I started last January of uh, 2020, and I was matched in April of 2020 uh, for one child. And uh, they send you the uh, package and, um, you know, to see if it's a good match. And it, it wasn't a good match. They, uh, the child really needed a two-parent home uh, due to uh, medical challenges uh, that I wasn't able to help. And then uh, they sent me an email and said, Steve, hey, we have a question. And I was like, oh, yeah, what's the question? And Lauren from KidSave, the vice president, said, would you be open to hosting two children? I said, <laughs> excuse me, like two, those, uh, like at the same time or one this year, one next year. And she said, it's a sibling group. And my heart dropped because I saw Santiago and uh, Julian on the website before, and I saw them as my children, but I didn't tell anybody because I thought people might think I was crazy, not only for being a single male, but now I'm saying I'm going from bachelor life to having a family of three with no notice at all. Uh, so they sent me the package and I read it and um, my heart just dropped because I knew that they're going to be my kids. So this is back in April or May of last year. Um, I put them on my home screen, their pictures. Uh, I purchased a picture with my name and their name, uh, their real names is on the website that had uh, aliases. Uh, and I put it on the wall and uh, you know the adoption agency said, oh, Steve, we've seen people do this. Don't get your hopes up. It could fail. I said, no, they're coming home. Uh, so this was May of last year. And this is all during the pandemic. And they were scheduled to fly to Washington, D.C. in July. And then I received information that the uh, all the programs have been postponed due to the pandemic. And I uh, received the, some amazing news that I could do a virtual hosting uh, that started uh, August 20th of 2020. Now, I remember the day because I was preparing to meet my future children, even though I couldn't talk about adoption. So the first time I laid eyes uh, on, uh, on my children in person on the Zoom call was August 20th uh, of 2020. It was a two hour phone call. The first question Santiago asked me was, so is it true that you're going to adopt me and my brother? And uh, we still joke to this day about it because I could not answer it. Um, but that's where my journey start, August. And then during a pandemic, I did paperwork. And then I chose to, instead of hosting them uh, this spring right now, uh, I chose to do a straight adoption. And uh, I jumped out uh, of the boat uh, by faith and said, they're going to be my children. It doesn't matter if I host or not. Uh, I want to adopt. And the paperwork for me went lightning, just light speeds. It just went so quick. 
And from August 20th to December 24th, um, you all can do the math. Uh, December 24th uh, was the day I was actually able to tell them that I was going to be their father and adopt them. And then I was on a plane to Columbia on January 16th. So August 20th, I met them for the first time on uh, Zoom. January 16th, I was in country in Columbia with four bags packed, ready to pick up two children that I had never met in my uh, in person, uh, except on Zoom. So I know that on your YouTube channel, you documented when you met them first in yes. person. What was that like for you? Oh my gosh. <laughs> uh, so I have allergies. Uh, so anytime you see my eyes watering, I always tell people it's because of the allergies. As my kids <laughs> told me last night, they said, dad, you really did have some allergies the day you met us. And also the day you told us you were adopting us. They said, your allergies were really acting up. They know I, uh, it might have been some tears. Uh, so I woke up that morning. I slept fine. Woke up that morning, uh, went to the uh, Casa de Imagina where they're staying. And it was around an hour wait. And I was outside, uh, tears welling up. I was so overwhelmed uh, because <laughs> I'm trying to get emotional now. Uh, because these were about to be macaws and I was about mm. to be a father to two children for the rest of their life. And I knew it was not popular. It was not the, the traditional way to become a father, uh, but it just was very, um, it was very exciting, but I was very nervous. And when they walked out uh, and I hugged them, it was just, it was so natural. It was organic. I felt like I had known them since August 20th, 2020, uh, which <laughs> I had. Uh, but honestly, it, it felt like I've known them their whole lives. Um, so the first day I met them, uh, originally, I'll, I'll be honest, originally, I thought I was going to get them, uh, have them for the day and like be a big brother, big sister program. And then they were going to go back to the orphanage. And I was going to actually, uh, pre-COVID, I was going to go out and have fun and, you know, hang out. And I thought I was going to have like another week or so. And I was just going to spend time with them little by little. Uh, when I found out is when I went to pick them up, they came with their bags and they have never left my side since then. So uh, January 22nd uh, is the day that uh, we call the pre-inquintro. I mean, the inquintro uh, when you are introduced to your children for the first time and they have been with me since then. So that day will be a day you'll be celebrating every year. <laughs> yes, yes. Yep. And it's not the actual adoption day. Sure. The actual adoption day was February uh, 2nd. Very nice. So then for us parents, right, there's always this question. So I'm going to ask you the same question that us parents normally have, especially when we're professional. So mm -hmm. what do you think about the challenges of balancing parenting and personal life and your professional pursuits? What's the now that you've had your children, they're with you, they're not going anywhere. It's been months now. What's that been like for you? So what's a personal life? I, I forgot what that was, <laughs> actually. Uh, so professional and um, personal um, I've worked with uh, young adults and young people. Uh, I was a youth pastor before and I worked with many parents. And one thing I noticed uh, was that they weren't present. Uh, they put the church ahead of their children. They put the pastor, uh, the bishop, uh, whatever you want to say, they put all of that above their children. Uh, and when I became a step parent, I did the same thing. I will admit I, I, my church was number one and I was not an effective uh, parent at all times. Uh, so this time around, uh, I want to be a present parent. And that meant uh, my personal life was going to have to be put on hold. 
and my professional life was going to have to be put on hold. Uh, as a senior analyst in space, I'm the space expert, I guess they say, for the only nonpartisan space expert in the nation for Congress uh, that represents Congress. I can make a lot of money outside of my job, uh, and the money is there tomorrow. However, I cannot be an effective parent and a present parent working 80 hours a week. So that had to be put on hold. Uh, like I said, I don't go get coffee with uh, the uh, young ladies, uh, you know, uh, uh, women, females, I'm not sure what the proper term is. Um, but the you're not entertaining. Sex. You're not entertaining is what you're saying. <laughs> I am not entertaining coffee. Uh, I'm not entertaining dates. Uh, if I'm going to go on a date, I'll take my kids out to uh, Ruth Chris. Uh, or Capitol Grill or somewhere. And we do still, because I still do those type of things. Um, so uh, my professional life has to be put on hold and I have a lot of time off. So thankfully I'm uh, able to be a present father and we're working remote. So it's uh, it's just the perfect, uh, the perfect storm or the, it's just the perfect situation. Uh, personal life, like I said, there is none, uh, but I'm okay with that because I'm a present father and I'm a very good father. I'm, I think I'm the best father in the world. And if I had a spouse right now, I would not be that amazing uh, because as a husband, you have to also give attention to the spouse. You have to meet her needs. She has to meet your needs and you can't give uh, time to your children 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And honestly, Dr. Janie, I can give my children attention 24 hours a day, seven days a week. And uh, like I told you before, uh, my YouTube channel, uh, subscribe if you haven't. It is an amazing uh, channel uh, and we have a lot of fun. And I make parenting look easy uh, and I look good doing it. However, parenting is a lot of work, but I just put, uh, I, I look at it in a different perspective, in a different lens my kids did not ask to move here. They did not ask to speak English. They did not ask to be uh, thrown into the school uh, that speaks all English. They did not ask for a single father. They did not ask to move to a foreign country. They did not ask for any of this. They didn't ask to be orphans. They didn't ask uh, to live in an orphanage. They didn't ask to be foster children. So I put that in my mind and changed my perspective and I see, okay, um, I might not have a personal life, but I do have a personal life. I love spending time with my children. So I do have a personal life. Um, I go visit friends uh, and family down in Florida. We're going to Mexico. Uh, we're going to Barcelona. Personal life, I probably have a more exciting personal life than 99.9% .9 of the world. Uh, career, I'm still killing my career. I'm still at the top. So my life really hasn't changed However, I just need to balance different. So now I have not one child originally, I have two children. So yesterday I had to take one to volleyball uh, and I didn't find out about volleyball until a millisecond before, the night before. And uh, once again, I had to make up a mind. At 11 o'clock at night, was I going to get irritated? I was irritated inside. Um, but I said, wait a minute. My son wants to go play volleyball at an international club where he'll get to speak Spanish with other kids. I, I can do this. So I did all the paperwork and I dropped him off at volleyball. I was on my way back home to see how Julian was doing. And I had to stop at, uh, at a coffee shop to get my Starbucks. And then Santiago texts me, I don't want to be here. Uh, I hate volleyball. Please come pick me up after three minutes. And I looked, I was like, what? And then he put laugh, laugh, laugh. He said, ah, Bruno, Ma, I'm joking, dad. 
because my son has a sense of humor, just like his father. Um, and then I went back and then I went to pick up Julian. Then I went back to pick up uh, Santiago. And then I had to go to Best Buy. Then I had to take Julian to soccer practice, which is 40 minutes away. Then I had to come back home, cook salmon. And I still have to cook. I still have to clean. The, the boys clean, they cook, uh, but I'm a father. And I told them that is my responsibility to cook. It's my responsibility to be there for soccer. It's my responsibility to be there for volleyball. It's my responsibility to be uncomfortable and having to do paperwork at 12 o'clock at night. It's my responsibility to put down the phone, put down the coffees, put a, a denied dates because I need to be a present father. And that's why on a YouTube channel, uh, you see very happy kids because I put a lot, and I'm patting myself on the back for that, I put a lot of work and energy into making them smile, even though there are days that I want to uh, raise my voice. I have not raised my voice not one single time. I hope that lasts. Um, instead of raising my voice, I go to the spa. And I've been to the spa two times in the past two weeks uh, because they've uh, been a little bit uh, extra loving lately. So you're giving us some parenting advice. Instead of raising our voice, we should go to the spa. <laughs> go Love to it. the spa. It's an hour. You can get an hour. I got an hour massage. Because uh, some may say, oh, but you, you have tons of money. I don't. Uh, I, I'm, I have a very good career and I can buy what I want. But a 45-minute massage at the mall costs $45. I left. I left Santiago and Julian. Uh, I got a babysitter. Uh, we have uh, a babysitter called Xbox. Xbox watched them for uh, two hours while I was gone. My sons checked on me, said, hey, dad, uh, are you uh, feeling good at the spot? I said, I surely am. They said, enjoy. I came back home. I was relaxed. I cooked dinner at no TV dinners. I cooked a full dinner. Uh, and then we watched a movie on a school night because- well <laughs> It certainly sounds like uh, you are in the parenthood club, especially if you uh, let babysitter be Xbox every once in a while. <laughs> I think we've all been guilty of that. And I just loved how you just said uh, denied some dates. <laughs> so we will be right back with Steve McCall talking about his journey to being a single father by choice. We'll be right back. Let's talk about it with Janie Lacey. Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Are you often attracted to unavailable partners? Feel like you can't stay but can't leave a toxic relationship? Obsessed with thinking about a current or former lover? Feel resentful that you're always taking care of the other person? The Woman Redeemed Therapy Program is for women who want to break free from toxic relationship patterns so they can find the love they truly deserve. This program is a safe, nurturing environment, essential for building self-worth and acquiring the tools to work through challenges and create your best self. We invite you to begin the journey today to start building the new you. Call 407-622-1770 or visit LifeCounselingSolutions.com. That's LifeCounselingSolutions.com. Are you living day by day, nervous, in fear, or constantly feeling overwhelmed, this is probably due to an anxiety disorder. Anxiety disorders can develop from many different factors and can affect each and every person differently. Anxiety disorders can develop because of genetics, personality, stressful life events, and many other reasons. 
The Anxiety and Depression Association of America reports that more than 40 million Americans suffer from anxiety-related illnesses and anxiety is also considered the most common mental disorder in the United States. You don't have to suffer alone. Call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit lifecounselingsolutions.com today. Has your anger ever taken you somewhere you regret it? Have you ever said something in anger that you wish you could take back? Have you ever hurt anyone as a reaction of your anger, physically or emotionally? Let's face it, anger is a part of life. We all experience anger in our lives at some point. The question we need to ask ourselves is whether this has become a habit. What matters is how we deal with it. So call Life Counseling Solutions at 407-622-1770 or visit OrlandoAngerManagement.com today. It's your world. Motivate. Change. Succeed. VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com You are listening to Let's Talk About It with Dr. Janie Lacey. To reach the show today, please call into 1-888-346-9141. That's 1-888-346-9141. You may also send an email to Janie at lifecounselingsolutions.com. Now back to Let's Talk About It. Welcome back to Let's Talk About It with Janie Lacey. We are having such an inspiring conversation with Steve McCall, who became a parent by choice. So welcome back to the show, Steve. Now I have some questions from um, our live audience. So I wanted to ask you a question. Wayne is asking, um, and I guess we did not say it, but how old are the boys and how have they transitioned back up into school and the community? Yeah, so my oldest son that you'll see uh, hopefully in a few minutes, uh, his name's Santiago, and he is 15 years old, uh, and he is in ninth grade um, in in our city. And then my youngest, uh, his name is Julian Stephen. I love his name. Uh, His name's Julian Stephen, and he is 11 going on 20. Um, He is uh, very smart, intelligent. Both my boys, of course, handsome like me. I'm, I'm, I make sure they uh, have confidence um, and they're adjusting in school. It's, it's, it's different. We're in a pandemic. So uh, they are in English is uh, English uh, for the second language or English is second language uh, program. Uh, but it's virtual uh, for Santiago and it's in person every other week for uh, Julian. So they're adjusting well. They speak English. Uh, they try to speak English almost every single day. Uh, some adopted children uh, are not able to, uh, they don't, they're not motivated to speak English right away. Uh, but my boys uh, are adjusting very well. Uh, the first few weeks we had some food issues. They didn't want to eat some food in America and the United States. Uh, now, honestly, it feels like they've been here for uh, years. Uh, the only difference is they don't speak full English. So when they uh, come in a few minutes just to say hi to everybody, uh, I think they're going to speak English, but they might speak Spanish. So they're adjusting well. So thank you for the question. So you have a teen and a preteen. <laughs> a teen and a preteen. And honestly, uh, they have not argued. I think they argued one time in the past three or four months. Uh, but now I do know they're still in the stage of trying to test me out. And uh, I, I think they're acting, uh, you know, they're, they're still uh, being safe. Um, but I spoke to their foster family and their foster family 
we we have any uh, relationship still from uh, with the foster family because they really uh, invested a lot in them in the past couple of years. Uh, so the boys are allowed to FaceTime them. I, I talked to the foster family. Uh, so I know a lot more about them because I was able to learn more about what um, what makes them happy, what makes them sad, uh, because it does take a village to raise uh, children. And it sounds like uh, they are very normal children because all children will test boundaries. <laughs> I certainly know my nine-year-old does. <laughs> yes, yes. So talk to us a little bit about uh, what you see as some of the positives and the challenges of having children, not just one child, but two children, package deal, as you just mentioned before the break, at an age of uh, 35 or older. I don't know if you want to share your age, but being over 35, can you share a little bit about that with us? Yeah, so I uh, look around 30 and I am (laughs) around 31 years old, uh, plus 12 years. Uh, I'm not embarrassed about my age. I'm 43 years old. Uh, I think, yeah, 43 years old. Um, I'm healthy. I can run a marathon uh, to the refrigerator and back. Um, So having two kids, uh, the positives are um, like today, they knew I had to prepare for um, uh, your show. So when it came to the lighting, when it came to what I wore, when it it came to cleaning, uh, I haven't lifted a a finger really today because they did that for me. Uh, After the show, um, Santiago most likely will cook dinner or cook a snack for us because he knows I've been working hard and I do the same to, you know, for him. Uh, So the positives are they cook, they clean, uh, they're obedient most of the time, uh, you know. So what you're telling us is you're teaching these young men to have life skills. (laughs) Yes, have life skills. Uh, So my mom taught me, don't ever, and please don't take this the wrong way. Don't, she told me, do not depend on a woman to cook for you. Do not depend on a woman to wash clothes for you. So I start learning how to cook as a kid. And that's why before I got married, I didn't need, like, I didn't need a wife to make me whole. Uh, I was already whole. Uh, When I got divorced, I was whole. I'm still whole. I don't have any voids in my life, Uh, but I know how to cook clean. Uh, I know how to do everything. So my boys also, um, uh, they were taught that in Colombia, and now they're just expanding on that. So the positives of having uh, two children is I don't have to be the best friend, the brother, the dad, the uncle, the role model, the hero, the doctor, the psychiatrist. I don't have to do all that 24 hours a day. Right now, uh, I'm on the show and my boys are perfectly okay. And honestly, if the show could be five hours, they probably would be happy because that means they have five hours uh, away from me. Uh, not saying they don't love me. They love me, but they have their technology and their technology is monitored. Uh, the negatives, you asked about the negatives also? Um, challenges. And then in, oh, fact, challenges. Uh, in fact, the question from um, our live audience, Kenya is asking, what are your challenges, Steve? Yes, Kenya. I love that name. I have a friend uh, named Kenya in Florida and it might be her. Uh, so, uh, the challenges are, uh, it's two and they have different schedules. And if Santiago has, uh, his football, I'm sorry, soccer schedule is Mondays and Wednesdays and Julian's soccer schedule is on Tuesdays and Thursdays. So Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, I'm driving between 45 minutes to hour, um, you know, every single day. Plus I play tennis, uh, competitive, so trying to add my tennis schedule, I haven't figured that out yet. Uh, trying to add my tennis schedule, plus also being in virtual school, having them in separate parts of the house. 
if one has an exam and then the other one has uh, technology challenges, I have to try to help them both at the same time while answering questions from Congress because I'm still a congressional staffer during the day uh, and we all have different parts of the house. So trying to juggle that, uh, it definitely is a challenge. And uh, that is, uh, you know, there are days that, uh, like I said, I'm smiling, but there are days that I go to the restroom and I look in the mirror and I pull out my hair um, I don't have hair, but I pull out my hair and say, oh my gosh, how do single parents do this? Um, and then I, you know, come right back out and I get right back into uh, the fun. And I don't say fight because it's not a fight. Uh, I get back into the adventure. And that's what me and my boys always say, uh, the McCall adventure. I've been through it all day, McCall. Uh, it's an adventure. And we look at all things in life as an adventure. So the days that I'm uh, overwhelmed, I do get overwhelmed. Uh, I just say it's another part of my exciting journey in life. And if it wasn't overwhelming, it would be boring. I'm just not a boring person. I like adventure. So, you know, throw, throw, throw sports at me, throw everything else at me. Uh, it's just part of the adventure. Well, Kenya said, uh, that's her, your friend. <laughs> What's up? And then, and then, um, Mr. Washington said, wonderful advice given to you by your mom. So I'm sure a lot of women, a lot of people really appreciate your mom would like more moms like that, teaching uh, young black men to be (laughs) self-sufficient. A a great, great thing. So tell us a little bit about your journey because you you, um, adopted two boys that didn't speak English, spoke Spanish about learning their language. Yes. So thankfully, uh, 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 hello to my uh, stepmother if she's watching Irma. Uh, I grew up in a Spanish speaking home. Uh, back then, I do apologize. I think I apologized to her before. Uh, if not, sorry. Uh, I refused to speak Spanish as a kid because my stepmother was from uh, Mexico and she spoke Spanish. So it was offensive to me to speak Spanish. So I originally learned Japanese and French to make her mad. Uh, so I was one of those perfect children that. Uh, irritated my parents nonstop. (laughs) Um, And then later in life, uh, through the ministry and uh, traveling abroad, uh, I learned uh, Italian when I lived in Italy, and then uh, I started speaking Spanish. So I was already um, conversational in Spanish. And then when I was going to adopt, I did Duolingo, and I really started focusing on speaking Spanish every single day. Um, and then after doing that for almost eight or nine months leading up to my boys uh, coming here, when I landed in country, I was so nervous, I almost forgot to speak Spanish. I, I didn't even know how to say hola. Um, and then when I got them, I was just scared because I was embarrassed because my accent wasn't perfect. Uh, I was scared that they were going to laugh, which they do. Um, <laughs> but now it's just, it's natural. I speak Spanish every single day, uh, seven days a week, uh, all the time. Uh, if I don't know how to say it, uh, which is a lot, I don't know how to say, we use Google Translate. And, um, you know, they've a- actually asked me to start speaking more English because I've got so comfortable speaking uh, Spanish. Uh, it's hindering them from, uh, I'm hindering them from <laughs> learning English. So what you're what you're sharing with with people is that you can learn uh, another language at 43, and you're using all of the technologies, Duolingo and Google Translate, and all the things to make it happen. Yes, yes, yep. And because it's it's important, uh, just like in a marriage, it, you know, you should understand uh, your spouse's culture, background, speak their you know their love languages. Uh, I, I've never read the book because I was against it when I was married. Uh, but now, <laughs> being a father, I have to, uh, it's rude. It, it's really, I find it very offensive when 
uh, people adopt and they refuse to learn the language. Uh, how dare you? Uh, that's very arrogant. Uh, so it's my job and it's my responsibility to learn my children's language. Um, and we bonded a lot better because I uh, speak some Spanish and uh, I might speak more than some Spanish, but um, you know, I'm able to communicate with them. Uh, and when those difficult, difficult conversations come, uh, they might look sad or maybe they're super happy and there's, ah, I do use a Google translate to make sure I'm interpreting what they say uh, correctly. But it's, it's very important to know uh, the child's language before adopting. And by the way, Gary Chapman does have a love language for kids. Ah, okay. Nice. I might have to look <laughs> Absolutely, that. for parents. So, so tell us a little bit about fatherhood. What surprised you so far? Oh, uh, so I think the biggest surprise is I actually like it. Um, I love being a father. I knew I was going to like it. I just didn't, I wasn't sure if I was going to love it. Uh, I heard so many negative things about being uh, a parent, an adoptive parent. Um, I had very low expectations. Uh, so my boys have just exceeded all my expectations. So maybe because I had zero expectations, um, when they say hi, it, it just makes my day. Uh, they call me dad and that was by choice. That, that was their choice. Uh, so for me, fatherhood, uh, even with the challenges, it's just very rewarding and being able to travel the world with my boys, um, I love that they have my last name. I think that's uh, definitely uh, amazing. Um, so with that, I think fatherhood for me, it's just been eye-opening that uh, these two little humans uh, rely on me for everything. And that, that can be challenging at times because it's like, wow, you all rely on me for everything. And I'm st- I'll be honest, I'm still at that stage where it's almost like I'm still an uncle or I'm still like uh, a big brother. Uh, every now and then I have to remind myself, this is not a big brother, big sister program. These are your children for the next, uh, you know, 90 years. My, my aunt was like 108. So I, I, I should live till then. Uh, these are your children. Uh, and they're going to need you through the ups and the downs every single day of their life. And that part is still kind of, uh, it makes me nervous. So talk to us a little about you. You shared with your mom instilling values in her son to be self-sufficient, teaching you to cook and clean and do all those things um, for yourself so that when you are a man, you're able to take care of yourself. And like you said, you're whole. You're not looking for a mother. You're not looking for people to take care of you, looking for a companion or partnership. So what is it that you want to teach your sons? Yes. Well, what I want to teach my sons is I tell them every day that, uh, well, weekly, Uh, they can accomplish anything they put their mind to. So do not allow anybody in this world to tell them no. Uh, Santiago uh, wants us to have a million followers on YouTube. Uh, We're going to have a million followers, subscribers. Uh, We're going into short films. We're going to do family short films. And we've already started working on uh, one of the uh, models for the script and how we're going to film it. We got the the camera the other, uh, actually yesterday. Um, my younger son wants to be a professional football player, soccer player. He's going to become a professional soccer player. Uh, whatever my boys put their mind to, they're going to not, they can, they, they're going to achieve. Uh, so I tell them, uh, every, uh, you know, like um, probably almost every day, um, whatever you want to do, don't let people tell you, no, uh, there is no such thing as the impossible. Uh, everything's possible. Um, you know, and for me, I can't, you know, they, they say I couldn't fly, that's fine. I can't go to the moon, but I'm the space expert. So I, I can talk about the moon. I can talk about uh, the International Space Station and the lower Earth orbit. So I might not be there, but I'm a part of that. 
Uh, so I tell my boys that whatever they want to do in life, uh, they have a dad that will support them. Uh, they don't have to follow my footsteps, uh, but whatever they want to do in life, they can do it. And they're going to be very successful. Uh, they are going to be very rich. But with that, all that money, the number one thing I tell them is to trust in God uh, and then also give back. Don't forget who we are. We, we make the money, then we can give back to the community. And I'm really big into community and giving back. And I want them one day, if they want to open a, their own orphanage in their name, let's go back to Columbia and let's open an orphanage or let's build a house. Uh, let's do something good for, uh, you know, their, their home country. So uh, that's, that's really what I instill in them. Uh, just making sure they treat people kindly uh, and just, just love everybody. Well, you're truly embody, you know, that saying, taking uh, lemons and turning it into lemonade and then being that role model for your son. Well, you said, I can't fly to the moon, but uh, I could be the, the science expert for Congress. <laughs> yes. Yep. And I tell them just whatever they put their mind to, they can achieve. Uh, we were on the bike ride. We, we take these bike adventures. Uh, we, we passed a mansion and they looked at it and I wanted to see their response. And I said, how do you like that house? And they said, oh, dad, we love it. I said, then let's buy it. They said, yeah, let's let's work to buy it. They said, uh, how many years? A hundred? I said, no. I said, let's buy it. Uh, let's set a five-year goal. And they said, really? I said, yes, why not? Uh, it's it's only a $5 million house. Uh, you know, we can afford a $13,000 home right now. I'm joking. Uh, but I'm trying to get them to think bigger, think, think big, and uh, don't allow anybody to limit their potential. Uh, that's just not what I'm about. If you tell me I can get here, I'm 100% positive I'm going to get here. Uh, and that's what I want for my boys. And that's that's my main focus. That's the reason I work. That's the reason uh, I'm doing the YouTube. Everything now is surrounded around making sure my boys have the resources to live their dreams. And I don't want them struggling. They don't, they don't struggle now. They're not going to have to struggle. Uh, if they want, if they need, you know, in three years, they want to start uh, their own company and they need $50,000. Well, I don't want, I don't want them having to go big. Well, just come to dad and let's build a YouTube and let's build our legacy and our brand uh, where we can, you know, invest in other areas, but invest in ourselves first. And that's why I'm working hard. Uh, I've lived life. I've lived a good, a good life. Now it's time to build uh, build up my children and make sure they live a fabulous life. Then they can do the same for uh, their children. Not only are you a father by choice, but you're an amazing father. And I say that because you're teaching your children a lesson that all of us as parents really need to teach our children. And that's not creating limitations. That's not the small mind thinking, the limited mind thinking to open them up and to create that miracle uh, mentality as Tim Story um, talks about in the Miracle Mentality book. And that's such a wonderful thing that you're imparting on them. So then so that being said, Steve, tell us a little bit about your own particular memories from your own childhood that inspired you to make memories with your kids as you just described to us. Yeah. So my mom was a present mother 24 hours a day. Um, I don't even know when she slept. I know she slept because I slept. Um, one day when I was around nine or 10 years old, she knew I wanted to be a movie star and she knew I wanted to uh, do film. So she bought me a video camera and she was one of the actors in my films. Um, I wanted to be, you know, I was always into teaching and speaking and, insp you know, inspirational. I was always ready to be in front of the camera. Uh, so when I wanted to be a teacher one day, she was my uh, class. She was my student and I gave her homework. Uh, I gave my palm puppy homework and she did the homework for everybody. And she sat there. 
She would sit in class for 30 minutes, 45 minutes. Uh, if I wanted to do a new uh, little film, she would act. She would do whatever she wanted, uh, whatever I needed her to do. Uh, if I want to have board game night, we would play board games till one, two o'clock in the morning. If I want to watch a horror movie and, you know, she knew I was going to be scared. Uh, I would watch a horror movie, scare the living daylights out of me. And then I would have to sleep on her floor in her room at 12, 13 years old. Uh, but my mother was always there. Uh, I said, I wanted to go to Paris. I went to Paris the next year. I wanted to go to Quebec, uh, Canada. Uh, I went to Quebec. I wanted to go to California. She sent me on business class. I think my brother got me that ticket. Uh, she sent me by myself at 13 years old to visit my uncle in California. She never said no to me. So for any of my crazy uh, dreams and uh, desires, my mom always made it a point. And she didn't make a lot of money. I, I still don't know how she put all these uh, all the loops and uh, got the money. But she worked her uh, her she worked very hard to make my dreams come true. And that's another thing I tell my boys: we don't dream. Uh, you all can dream. Who are watching? Uh, Santiago, Julian, and me, we do not dream. Uh, we see what we want and we come up with a plan on how to achieve that goal. Uh, you know, Santiago wants a Lamborghini. Then let's figure out how uh, to use OPM, other people's money, uh, in getting your Lamborghini. I'm not really into Lamborghinis, but uh, sure. my, my point is uh, instead of dreaming and sitting back and dreaming for 100 years, come up with a plan to obtain it. So uh, that's why so I tell them. So in our last uh, two minutes, it would be it'd be great if they can join us and then I can ask yes. you the last questions in front of them. We have Santiago, two minutes left. Julian, vamos. Cece, come on. And bring your chairs right here. All right, here they come. They are nowhere near shy. <laughs> come on, here. Only two minutes. All right, here Hello, is Santiago. Santiago. Okay. All right, this is uh, Santiago. Hello. Hello. Hello, Julian. We are so glad that you are joining us so you can be here when we ask your dad these last two questions. So what words of wisdom would you like to share with someone who's contemplating parenthood over the age of uh, 35? Wait, can you ask it one more quick, one, one more time? I'm sorry. Sure. What He's words of wisdom? He's turning his uh, translator. He has a translator app, so while you talk, he could see what you're saying. Sure, sure absolutely. Get, get in our uh, English conversation. So what words of wisdom would you like to share for someone that may be watching this and they're inspired and they're contemplating parenthood over 35? That they're yes, over 35. I, yep. So I would encourage them to learn more uh, about becoming a parent uh, at an older age. I personally think uh, the best children for you to adopt uh, if you're over 35 are uh, older children uh, because they are, uh, they need homes. Um, and I think for little babies, it just wasn't for me. Um, and then the third thing I would say is really examine yourself to make sure you are ready. Because if you're, if you're looking for children to fill a void, please do not adopt. If you're looking for children to, uh, you know, uh, uh fill, not the void, but um, make you whole because you know you're lonely and you you want to adopt because you're not going to be lonely anymore. If you're lonely now and you adopt, when your kids get here, you're still going to be lonely. Uh, so I would encourage you to make sure you are very content in life. Uh, make sure that you are uh, happy with your life. I was very happy single. I was very happy single, but now I'm extremely happy with two kids and I would not change it. But make Absolutely. sure that you're happy being single and you're adopting to give a home to uh, two children. And the last thing is 
we're not we're not blessed. People say, "Oh, you're such a blessing to your children," uh, and I'll say this in front of them: they are my treasure. Uh, I am uh, a blessing to them, but they are a blessing to me, and they are a blessing to me every single day, even when I ask them to do homework and they might not do it right away. Well, we certainly want to thank you, Steve, for inviting us into your home and sharing your story and letting us meet your fantastic, they're going to be successful, phenomenal boys and sons, uh, Santiago and Julian. We thank you all for opening up your home for with us. So I'll end with another Oprah quote, and that is, biology is the least of what makes someone a mother, and in this case, a father. Until next time, this is your host, Dr. Janie Lacey. Voice America is on. Thank you for tuning in. Let's Talk About It can be heard live every Wednesday at 5 p.m. Pacific Time and 8 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Please join your host, Dr. Janie Lacey, for another edition of the show next week. 